So many memories have come flooding back. I put this song on repeat, just crying my eyes out. It made me feel so bloody alive. This song really nails the feeling of nostalgia for a place. And we all just stopped talking and just stared at the radio. Like, what is that? It's part of the noble genre of songs by women about masturbation. I love it. I love that song so much. the box. Meet people through their music with Ash Berdebez on FBI. It's been great to hear from Alex Pye over the past hour and very, very great to hear Le Pye on the show with her in the past hour. So if you actually want to listen back to that interview and the uh the premiere of that new track from lapai just go into on demand and you can hear it all there for yourself my name's ash berdebez and you are tuned to out of the box and in the hot seat today i've got an artist who has officially quit her day job Rosalind helper has cast herself headlong into the safety netless world of art but it's kind of safe to say that you know she's already killing it in this year alone Rosalind has become human google and has been a part of the Marina Abramovich residency. And now she's getting down to curating Electro Fringe, which is going to happen in this November. Welcome on Out of the Box, Rosalind. Hi, thanks for having me. No worries. Good to have you in the studio. Uh, well, I was wondering, how do you explain Electro Fringe to the novice? Oh, good question. Um, Electro Fringe is a platform for presenting uh, and supporting uh, experimental electronic art, um, technology-based art. So um, anything that combines electronics, whether that be computer programming, um, interactive technologies, mobile technologies, uh, vi like um, immersive, um, you know, like Oculus Rift type stuff, apps, digital apps, internet art, any of that kind of stuff. Um, so it's artists working with technology um, in an art-related way to make projects that we present um, at events, at exhibitions, at gigs, um, uh, all year round. That sounds awesome. So, what are some of the what are some of the works that might have taken place in the past couple of years that you can talk about? I was looking at a little bit of online stuff the other day, and I know there was one to do with the Sims, and I thought that was a really interesting concept. Yeah, earlier this year we presented an exhibition up uh, at the Brisbane Powerhouse called IRL um, Digital Festival, and uh, part of that exhibition was a, a work by Christopher Howlett um, with. Um, it was a machinima video work. So machinima is a type of art where um, you record what's happening in video games like Second Life or The Sims in his case. So he um, took a series of videos and edited together um, a film that was, that was based in The Sims and he kind of did what we all love to do where he set up a, a city um, and then uh, played, played God essentially and... Um, well, and smote them all. Exactly. <laughs> um, and, and turned that into an artwork as a kind of comment on our um, obsession with violence in the media. That's so interesting. So uh, when when's that happening again? That's in November. So we've got a, uh, our annual showcase event happening at 107 Projects yeah, uh, at the end towards the end of November. We have an artist call out currently on. Head to electrofringe.net slash apply if you're interested. If you smite, if you smite Sims as a way of being, that's yep. probably you. <laughs> um, <laughs> and other things. Not, not a necessary criteria, but um, up there, yep. Um, and, yeah, uh, it's a showcase. We'll um, be selecting... 
around 30 artists to present work and it's an open day basically where you can come and and meet the artists and test out their works and ask them about them Um, and we'll also have a stream of performance work happening alongside that which should be really exciting too. Awesome. So technology and art seems to be kind of where you sit as a performance artist in particular and as a curator, evidence by Electrofringe. But one of one of your works that has been in the past year is the Human Google Project, which is really, really interesting. So how did how did that go when you first performed it? What and what is yeah. Human Google? <laughs> I recently I performed it at Underbelly Arts Festival uh, last month and essentially the project uh is that I try and take on the role of Google and people can come and ask me whatever they whatever they want to know. So I it was set up so that I was just sitting behind a desk um, with a sign that said Human Google Project and this invitation for people to come and ask me questions. Um, and it went over the course of two days, so it was quite um, a mental durational work, <laughs> um, quite exhausting. Um, and the preparation that I had to do uh, was not at, essential, at, at first I thought, oh yeah, I should try and learn everything in the world. Um, <laughs> but then I quickly realized that was a futile task. So my, I took a more tactical approach and um, instead I studied how to sound smart, you know, how to answer questions. Um, and I used Google for all of my research as well. Um, <laughs> and um, also I, I Googled a lot of the top most common questions asked to Google, thinking that I might get asked uh, those as well. What are some of them? Uh, It's kind of depressing. A lot of the the top questions are things like, uh, why am I fat? Or like, when will I fall in love? Or what is God? Like all of those kind of, um, yeah, questions that you wouldn't maybe, I wouldn't personally think to ask um, uh, Something that just aggregates data, essentially. Yeah, Yeah. um, but that's what happens on Google, and that's actually what happened to me as well. I had a lot of those sorts of questions uh, asked over the course of two days. What was one of the most kind of, you know, I guess more emotional questions that someone had asked you? Uh, Well, I had at least five people ask me when they're going to get married, which (laughs) I answered as pragmatically as I I could. (laughs) And Um, what was the nature of that answer? uh, I, I I described... Um, the definition, the basic definition of marriage, and then ways to meet people, like tips for how to meet people, um, <laughs> and then I would f- end it with usually end it with if you don't get married, no big deal. Like you're still going to be a great person and have a great life. It should be fine. So yeah, <laughs> and, and I tried to be positive to RS- about it. Yeah, links to RSVP and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that were my sponsored my sponsored responses. <laughs> That's amazing. And um, were there, there were actually kids at Underbelly Arts Festival. I mean, the second day was particularly, there's a lot of kids there. Did you get kids asking you questions? Kid, kids ask stuff? the best questions. Um, I have, have actually have a, a few because we recorded all of the, the questions and answers on cards. And I brought a few of them with me that I can um, read out. My One of my favourite ones from kids is, can all animals speak English? Um, and I had to explain that all animals have their own language so they don't speak or speak English but they can communicate with each other not even all humans can speak English but it's much easier to teach a human to speak English than an animal some animals can say words in English by mimicking the sounds that humans make such as parrots and lyrebirds people have been trying to learn about animal languages to try and communicate with them for hundreds of years maybe one day we will be able to talk to animals <laughs> oh, oh my god if I was a kid that would be the best answer ever I hope she got a lot out of it yeah. <laughs> so I guess we'll, we'll whack on our first track and it is by Oscar Key Sung so which one which one have you got here I've just got Brush it's um I actually fell in love with it via the video clip 
Um, so check it out if you haven't seen it. Um, I Look, it's just a recent love of mine, so um, there's no epic story behind it. I'm just really enjoying the vibe of it at the moment. You listen out of the box on FBI 94.5. My guest today is Rosalind Helper, and here's Oscar, Oscar Keysung. Oscar Keysung truly knows the way to a girl's heart with <laughs> lyrics like that. It's fantastic. And it was brought in by my guest today, Rosalind Helper, who is an artist and well, a performance artist and a curator. And uh, you, you, when you, when you went to university, you didn't actually uh, study art from the get-go, did you? No, I've had a bit of a roundabout way 
<clears throat> pardon me, um, to performance art and curating electronic art. I studied uh, uh, journalism and politics at Sydney Uni um, for uh, four, four years and then I went over to New York and studied political art um, as, as a master's degree there. So, And I've had um, a, a very kind of strange and uh, non-linear trajectory in terms of the work that I've done over the past five, ten years since leaving school um, to kind of get where I am today. And now you're finally able to call yourself a, a full-time artist. You've actually, you know, just, you know, walked out on your last, full, you know, other work, your day job. You've quit your day job and become an artist. So what does it feel like? Um, pretty terrifying, pretty liberating. I um, self-professed <laughs> performance artist um, and curator, so... Um, no one's kind of told me that that's what I am. I just had to kind of decide for myself and it was a bit of a scary decision. I was working um, four days a week at the Indigenous Literacy Foundation doing their accounts. Um, so a little bit different to the to the stuff I'm doing now. Um, just a bit. <laughs> having said that, I really did love using that part of my brain um, and, go, and the structure of, of going into work every day. And it's something that I've taken away with me um, to kind of do my own work now. I'm very, very structured with my days. I try and wake up at seven o'clock, drink my tea, start work at 8.30, even though I'm just like at my desk in my bedroom. But, um, so and, and work right free. through till five o'clock. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so it, it's not technically too different. It's just doing what I want to do. Is yeah, I the guess, only different part. <laughs> I guess when people think about artists and their day of work, they probably don't think of that. So yeah, it's been a funny year in that sense. I've learned a lot about um, art as process because um, you know, part I did this Marina Abramovich residency um, uh, earlier this year, and that was an open an open public residency where twelve artists were living at, down at Pier Two Three in Walsh Bay. Um, in full view of the public for two weeks and so you were basically living in a little hole in the wall yeah we had these pods made for us on the second level there down there at pier 23 and um yeah every day and they had you know desks for us to work at but there was this interesting tension between the the public coming up and wanting to see performance art in practice and the performance artists actually making the work because so much of it is sitting down at your computer and researching or writing or think you know discussing I work in a partnership with my friend Harriet Gillies um, under the banner of Zinn and the performance work we were actually working on at the time was an as a internet-based performance where the actual performance is surfing the internet. So literally what we would do is sitting at our desks, sur- you know, going on Facebook or whatever. Um, it would have taken quite a while for people to figure out that you were actually performing. Yeah, and we had these uh, funny moments where what we were looking at on our screens was projected into the space as part of it. Uh, and we were running tests and we'd have people, members of the public, come up to us and say, oh, oh excuse me, I just want to let you know you've, your Facebook is up on the screen or, you know, you, your Gmail is actually, I can see what you're writing. Um <laughs> Not understanding, and you know, there was we hadn't announced it, but not understanding that that's we were put, doing that on purpose. Did, did you say to them, "I'm sorry, I'm performing. Yeah. <laughs> My Facebooking is yeah, what you're here to see." Kind of. We just tried to be. Oh no, it's fine. Let's you know, enjoy it. You know, I find I find that really interesting that the kind of you know could use what you're doing on the web, what you're surfing, which mm. is usually quite a personal thing as a performance. So how did the how did the actual performance kind of culminate what was the what was the narrative of it all yeah that's a great question we we had a Harriet and I struggled quite a lot with structure at the beginning of it trying to figure out you know what's at stake for the audience what makes this engaging and interesting and we one thing that unites all of our work together um, is this 
is this element of public interaction or audience interaction. Um, and we really wanted to incorporate that into the performance of surfing the internet. So um, one of the first things that we do when we log on in front of an audience um, is go on Facebook and do a status update that says, if you want to be part of this group chat, like this status. So immediately people in the audience get their phones out and find me on Facebook and like the status and I add them into this group chat that's all of the people or as many people that have wanted to participate in the audience and then for the rest of the performance they can you know comment on the performance as it's going it's all up on screens for everyone to see they can suggest songs for us to play as we're we're surfing online they can talk to each other you know there's a lot of banter kind of happened and a lot of spontaneous kind of what you would call improvisation in a performance sense kind of um, took it out of our hands as performers and let them kind of run with it. And at the very end, what was kind of, you know, how do you take your bow, essentially? Well, great question. So another kind of narrative arc that we um, wove into the piece is that towards the beginning, Harriet orders pizza from <laughs> Domino's Pizza. Um, and on, I didn't know this beforehand, but um, there's an app that kind of tracks the pizza, like as it's being delivered. So we'd, she'd keep flipping back to that to see how far away it was. And that's this kind of suspense for the audience to be like, am I actually going to get pizza? <laughs> so the end of the performance, it timed out perfectly. The, the time we, we presented it at, um, at the residency at the end of our two weeks. Um, and it, the Pier 23 is kind of a weird place to deliver pizza to. So fortunately it did take an hour, which was how long we had to do the performance. And the pizza guy rocked up just on time, you know, with 20 pizzas um, right up to the stage um, and was absolutely chuffed that he was like the punchline <laughs> in our performance joke. Imagine just going home with the fam being like, guys, yeah, I don't think what happened today. Was, that's what he was expecting yeah. um, when he got that order. So, um, yeah, that's how we kind of took our bow. We also ended with... Um, each playing the double rainbow YouTube video. Um, so we had like a quadruple rainbow whilst eating pizza happening in the space. Couldn't couldn't end better. So, I mean, we'll take a little bit of a step back for a second because Marina Abramovich is a superstar artist and this was the residency at Pier 23, you know, led by her. So there was a heap, a heap of media surrounding that, the entire thing. And everything was super open to the public. And the the kind of one of the things that you were learning there was the Abramovich method. So what is the Abramovich method? That's a really good question. It's something that she is developing um, as part of the Marina Abramovich Institute, which is something that she wants to set up in Hudson um, in the United States. Um, that's, uh, it's not, hasn't happened yet, but she's kind of at the moment touring the world, teaching, you know, um, her, her method to people. Um, look, what she did for the, the Pier 23, um, in residence, um, project, um, she set up, had a series of six exercises. They're all kind of based on meditation drawn from other sources. Um, and she curated them into a space and they included counting rice, um, staring at colour, standing on an energy platform, slow walking, um, mutual gaze, so staring at someone in the eyes. Um, and I guess for, for context, Marina Abramovich is the person who would sit for months at a time all day and stare at people's eyes and everyone would have such an emotional experience. A lot of people broke down crying and stuff like that. It was quite, it's quite a well-known uh, piece. The artist is present. That's right. Yep. Yeah, happened at yeah, the Museum of Modern Art in New York a few years ago. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, so she, uh, so that those activities were all open for the public to do. And as the resident artists, it was kind of the Australian artist engagement 
um, component of the project that was produced by Caldor Public Art Projects. Um, so we had the the opportunity every day to go down and do those exercises um, and then um, she would also come up to the upstairs space and kind of mentor us on the projects that we were working on. Um, yeah, look, I did the, I did, to be honest, I did it twice and then I had had enough of it. <laughs> um, it was, it was, it was interesting to try it out. Um, but did you think it was a bit of a, bit of a beat up? No, look, I think a lot of people got a lot out of it and I, and I think that's really important to kind of acknowledge. Um, but I personally was, you know, my practice, I just feel like is a very, comes from a very different place and is for a very different purpose. So, um, found it more useful to spend my time surfing the internet (laughs) or going for a run or, (laughs) or kind of activating, um, myself in different ways. Cool. So, um, let's take a track from Palms called Love. And why did you want to bring this one up? I just chose this song because I love the opportunity to scream out love. (laughs) Um, And that's what you can do when you listen to this song. So let's let's do it. Happens all the time. 
You're listening to Out of the Box on FBI 94.5. My name's Ash Berdebez, and my guest today is Rosalind Helper, who is a performance artist and a curator, and brought on that track by Cloud Nothings. Why did you want to bring that particular track on? I feel like all my reasons for, for these tracks have been um, very um, face value, but that song I just love because it reminds me of flying down the bike path on Burke Street, screaming the song at the top of my lungs um, one sunny day, like last year. Um, and it, <laughs> I think it just uh, encapsulates, encapsulates my experience of Sydney um, a lot and just that kind of... Um, beautiful, sunny freedom. Totally. And I think there's a lot to be said for the effect of riding a bike on a song. So I think that should be, you know, a mixtape that you make that's just exclusively bike songs because nothing is better than listening to like a super free song and just roaring down the street with the wind in your hand. And screaming it at the top of your lungs and feeling like a crazy person. (laughs) It's great. It's the best way to feel. So uh, you, before you decided to become a professional artist, you've done a lot of different bits and bobs and odds and ends of jobs. So what kind of, what kind of stuff are we talking about here in your, uh, in your motley past? Uh, Yeah, it's been a, it's been a bit of a, um, a crazy ride. Look, I've kind of spent the first, I've, I've been out of school for 10 years now, actually, but, um, I've spent that last that time really just trying out everything that I possibly could. I my one of my first things that I did leaving high school was um, volunteering at FBI actually for a couple of years from when I was seventeen, and that really um, inspired me a lot and I think influenced me a lot um, with what was to come. But other than that, you know, I worked at Boost Juice, I worked at HMV in Broadway when that which, was a thing. When that was a thing, <laughs> um, I worked. Like in publicity, I worked for Sydney Festival and um, as a front of house manager for Perth Writers Festival one summer, I was like a um, assistant, uh, the arts editor at The Brag, that's the street press magazine for a while. Um, actually, that's a little bit interesting because, I mean, if you're an arts editor and you're also an arts writer, that precipitated you actually being an artist. Is that kind of a weird transition? Were you an artist at the I've, time? I can't, I'm kind of always having that problem where I'm not sure which side I sit on, whether it's writer, curator or artist. Um, and I think that that that's a good thing because they, they all inform each other, but it's also hard when I'm trying to make decisions about do I want to work at that place or do I want to be an artist exhibited at that place or do I want to write about that place? Um, <laughs> so I'm still working that out. But, um, no, I've kind of just um, taken the bull by the horns and, and try, tried a little bit of everything. Um, some of my less glamorous jobs were maybe um, making coffee for Kyle and Jackie O on um, a rival, not even a rival, but um, Today <laughs> really, FM. <laughs> I really don't think we're in the same um, league here. No, uh, way above. And, um, yeah, just I worked um, for a documentary maker in New York briefly when I was living there. I was a transcriber for Channel 9 on um, a precursor to, to the block called Homemade um, <laughs> for one summer, just um, really whatever I could get my hands on. So it's been fun. And uh, like I mentioned, I just quit my job um, at the Indigenous Literacy Foundation where I was working in accounts there. So, yeah. yeah. So you, when you became a performance artist, you seem to connect pretty quickly with someone called Harriet, who you are now in Zin with. Um, Zin's a bit of an interesting... Like you've done so many different weird little projects. Can you talk about maybe one where the kind of oh no, I think it kind of relates to the fact that you're now a full time artist and you did something called really professional. Oh yeah, I'd love to talk about that. I actually yeah. Um, so Harriet and I met at Sydney University um, in 2009, and uh, we were each directing in separate years the Verge Arts Festival there, and and kind of found this. Um, 
we had a very similar similar ideas about about art. Um, we didn't even weren't engaged in performance art specifically. She was um, had a theatre background. I was doing journalism and politics, but we wanted to do these crazy projects where we got our friends to like dress up as animals, and you know people could feed them pumpkin seeds like they were in a zoo, or like <laughs> we just like built forts out of. Um, discarded materials and like all you know very fun um, audience engaged projects without ever even really thinking about what they were Um, and then after we graduated we kind of continued um, in our post uh, post university studies um, to talk to each other and develop a a language I guess for creating work Um, and last year god it feels like a long time ago but it was just last year the beginning of last year we ran um ran an exhibition slash performance called Really Professional, where which was officially launching our professionalness as artists. Um, and we <laughs> held an exhibition in which there wasn't actually any art um, exhibited, but we framed our, our FPOS card, um, our ASIC, That's you know, so business registration name. Um, we blew up some big photos of our office, like with our two desks side by side. We had endorsements from industry prof- professionals, like our friends, um, telling people how great we were and to employ us. We made business cards. We dressed up in um, <laughs> business suits and Harriet gave this amazing speech, um, kind of faux corporate thank you and um as in pitch essentially to all of our um friends and fans who showed up um yeah so that was a kind of poke at the um the the industry i guess uh, at what you need to do in order to make uh, to be an artist today um and how you so much of what you have to do is send emails and market yourself um yeah. which is a kind of sad fact if you want to actually do the fun bits as well yeah, I think, yeah, having to market yourself as well. And I think, you know, a lot of artists, even though they're great and they know they're great, sometimes it's so hard to say to other people, this is how great I am. Look at all the work I do. Um, so marketing and then also being your own product is just like a weird space to be and in And, you sometimes. know, one thing that we learnt and we kind of had an epiphany about at the Marina Abramovich residency um, is she has this philosophy that is... <laughs> Uh, it's she said I believe in everything so she has this she's a very contradictory person everything she does um, contradicts something else that she has said or done in the past but she just goes with it and it's kind of like whatever suits her at the time is valid and that was really refreshing for us having you know tried to hone our artist bio to be one specific thing we're like you know what we can just do whatever we want yeah um, I don't have to be coherent yeah, at all <laughs> yeah so that that's been a great thing and and helped us kind of realize yeah just do what we feel like <laughs> So um, we've got something that sounds like a bit of a gangster trap track here. So uh, Debussy. <laughs> so I just thought I I needed to play. I was looking down the playlist and and didn't think that it revealed enough about my what a musical nerd I am. Um, and all through high school, I was just obsessed with classical music and jazz music. And I wanted to play something that um, reflected that huge part of my life um, that sits in the wings um, currently, but is still very, very important to me. So um, Debussy is a late 19th, early 20th century composer um, who was making music around the um, the time Impressionists were starting to um, break away from classical painting traditions. And um, this is just one of the most beautiful pieces that I studied and, um, and love.
You're listening to Out of the Box on FBI 94.5, and you might have uh, not thought that you were listening to FBI for a second there, but you are. And this is brought in by my guest today, Rosin Helper, who actually has a bit of classical training up her sleeve. And I guess, I don't know, part of me thinks that maybe that's part of the reason you can be so rigorous and disciplined in your approach to art, is that you kind of have that background. Yeah, definitely. Um, I started playing music at a very early age um, in, pr- in primary school, in kindergarten. I, my first instrument was the recorder, but in a pretty legit way. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and I had an amazing flute teacher shortly after that um, called Vladimir Svetkovic, who was a Serbian guy um, and sounds terrifying and was at the time, but was also an incredible teacher and taught me a lot about rigor and um, discipline and um, made me practice basically and I think that's the reason that you know now that I'm an independent artist um, and it's, it's got a lot to do with me being able to sit down and, and do what I'm supposed to do um, but it also introduced me to um, a lot of Baroque and classical music um, and um, kind of spearheaded you know into high school where I guess my heroes uh, growing up were the real, um, you know, the Handels and the Vivaldis and the <laughs> the Haydn's and the Beethoven, you know, well, Tchaikovsky, like, Brahms. Yeah, Missy Elliott yeah, and stuff and like, like that. Yeah, you know, who were the Beatles? <laughs> um, no, I did know that. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I think uh, that's just a, something that's really influenced, influenced me. Um, yeah, and um, I was a massive nerd, basically, <laughs> and still am. You can own up to it now. Yeah. <laughs> so... Love it. Yeah, I just I, I, I do like the kind of um, the idea of you actually just being a legitimate record recordist or like a record record player because re- yeah. you know what, what is that? Because I mean, everyone's experience of that is just having a shitty little brown like plastic I know, record. But we I don't know. We were playing like a Steadfords and on the stage of the Opera House, and um, you know, with it, it's, it's all Baroque music, um, so a very particular style and that kind of lead, led to playing the flute as well because the music was written for those two instruments around the same time. Um, and yeah, I don't know, like it's just, <laughs> um, it's also a very simple instrument because once you learn the fingerings on a recorder, you're, you can play, you know, the fingerings for most wind instruments as well. Nice. Um, yeah. And therefore the flute. So I reckon it's probably time to move on to a completely non-classical track, even though this one, the one that you played, the oh, Debussy, has say, got a bit of love on the I just on, wanted to on say one thing. Um, <laughs> it's a, a pun, a really bad pun, but that was, I think that might have been Debussy's debut on FBI radio. <laughs> All right, I got it out of my system. <laughs> we can move on. Oh, I'm so glad you made that happen. Um, yeah, well, I guess Beach House is the next track, and uh, it's from a time in your life where you were studying arts politics. And where were you? New York City. Um, I did my master's in arts politics at Tisch School of the Arts, New York University. Uh, and this song just, I can't I actually find it very hard to listen to because it's so nostalgic for me um it just reminds me of um my my room in brooklyn studying um you know wandering the streets um meeting my boyfriend at the time pablo who was a puerto rican political um puppeteer Um, wait 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 wait. (laughs) pablo the puerto rican political puppeteer i feel like you have to be making that up no that's a true story (laughs) that happened so what is a radical puppeteer um well he was um, involved with a troupe called Bread and Circus, um, who were 
headed up by this guy in the 70s um, and they, they're basically what they do is make these huge paper mache, mache puppets and they do parades and they do circuses um, and they're all very politically uh, kind of um, focused works. Um, we actually spent a summer hitchhiking from Canada down to Vermont um, to participate. We lived in this commune um, for a couple of weeks. Um, he was making puppets and I was playing saxophone in the circus band and it was um, a pretty fun time. <laughs> it just sounds amazing. So you basically live in like a hippie commune with radical puppeteers. But um, I did actually chance upon your blog from that time. You kept a blog when you were in New York. And it's, you know, it's much higher quality than any blog that I've ever kept. Oh, it's pretty embarrassing. It's great. But you have this, you have this fantastic description of New York in there. And like, I usually don't do this, but I kind of want to read it out just because it's quite beautiful and I feel like there's an obsession with New York and a lot of people spend a lot of time trying to describe and understand and and put New York into words but you say from a distance the Manhattan skyline rests its monolithic silhouette gleams floating on the horizon there is no sense of the relentless pounding grinding groaning and heaving shrieking tumbling and spasming you'd think the eight million people living within it might produce instead it is eternally still as if holding its breath in an attempt to go unnoticed. I love that. Anyway, oh, sorry. so poetic. <laughs> oh god, yep. You blushing anyway. Well, let's go and just straight ahead put on that beach house song. Which one do we have here? Um, this one is Zebra. Love Zebra. Uh, brought in by my guest today, Rosen Helper on Out of the Box FBI.
some vintage Beach House on your radio. That was Zebra and uh, from Roslyn's Golden Year in New York. And we've got a song to take by Beyonce now, which I'm pretty sure everyone's going to be chuffed about. But uh, happened to come from a not-so-chuffed time in your life. Tell us a bit about that. Oh, yeah, look, a um, couple of years ago, uh, I guess everyone has their, their low points. Mine was... Um, 2013 and it all kind of um, everything kind of just fell fell to shit um, my mum was diagnosed with cancer my dad um, was also um, quite ill my dog died my bike got stolen my boyfriend at the time broke up with me and I got kicked out of my house in Erskineville oh god so <laughs> that is torrential you know all it ticked all the boxes oh. um, and the kind of silver lining, I guess, was um, the last party that I had at that house um, before I left. Uh, I was for my 25th birthday and um, it was themed to this song, um, Party by Beyonce. And it was a dress up party and it just went crazy and I had such a good time. And also a year later, um, we ended up, me and my friends ended up going to see her live in concert when she came to Sydney, which was like a life highlight. So I thought I should definitely play this song. Awesome. On Out of the Box FBI, Rosen Help is my guest today. You a bad girl and your friend's bad too. Oh, you got the swag, so she drip the swag goo. You a bad girl and your friend's bad too. Oh, you got the swag, so she drip the swag goo. Oh. Niggas over there, but they worry about me. I got a homeboy named Butter and another homeboy, that nigga named Cheese. 
fuck with me, baby, I make it milk till it drip down your knees. Speak this shit for real low, brain real low. Kiddo say he looks up to me, this just makes me feel old. Never thought that we could become someone else's hero. Man, we were just in the food court eating God get rose. Yesterday, that's the way. Every single morning I try to pray. Grandmama and them, they never forgot. Nothing else really mean nothing to me. I ain't starting to be talking to me. Girl, why you fucking with me? Move on, ain't nothing to see. Shh. Always something to saw. I'm the raw, off the rip. Cause of him, all of them will remember the men. Not they fell in love with rap. Black like having your cousin back. Blue like when that rent is due. Cream like when I'm loving you. Swag goo. You a bad girl and your friends bad too. Oh, you got the swag sauce, you drip the swag goo. Oh, out of the box. Meet people through their music on FBI. Break the water, make a ripple once in a while. It's morning We've been sleeping for a while Now forget what you wrote That you tired Time's getting on so late Down your road You're fine I'm yours and you're mine You're fine I'm yours and you're mine Hold tight, stranger I sense danger that won't show Who holds the hand that holds a gun You might never know But when the note lingers Sending shivers down my spine I feel in my fingers That I'm one with something divine It's divine It's divine I didn't drink a drop in weeks All the waiting's only made it sweet I tried not to freeze you before you thought Try not to burn you with some more When you ask what's coming You've already chosen
Got a bit of a love song dedication on Out of the Box on FBI 94.5, and that was brought in by my guest today, Rosalind Helper. Tell us a bit about why you wanted to bring that one on. Uh, that song's dedicated to my girlfriend, Kate. Um, she introduced me to Laura Marling. Um, yeah, I guess towards the beginning of our relationship, and it's um, she's one of those artists that I just that just totally calms me down, and that I can just listen to. Um, no, you know, whenever I want, and um, it'll make me feel good. So, um, just like my girlfriend. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I was about to say, who are you talking about? Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's um, that's kind of um, you know where that that song comes from. The first time that I heard Laura Marling was on a Kate's from Newcastle, and um, we took a spontaneous. Oh, I joined her on a spontaneous trip up there one weekend, and she was playing that on the highway up, and I just fell in love with it. So, um, it's it's good memories. It's a keeper. For all road trips, and how did you meet Kate? Uh, good question. It was um, it was uh, when I was an artist um, at Underbelly Arts Festival in 2013, working with Harriet again um, as Zin on a project called uh, Zin's Party Mode. And what was that all about? Uh, what happened there was uh, it was a large scale um, immersive party held on the island. Um, during the festival and people were invited uh so we created a fake company called zinjin um that's kind of a mixture between facebook and google um and everyone that came to the party acted as our kind of our clients um and upon entry you'd get a number uh, a dedicated number and inside the party instead of uh buying beer with money or accessing the vip area um with with cash, you had to give away a piece of in personal information about yourself. Um, so personal information became currency, and we collected all of that information about everybody at the party and made profiles um, of them in this back room that we then made public um, a few hours in once everyone was kind of drunk enough to wow. like have fun with it. So, so personal information is the currency. Yeah, like on the internet. Yeah, and it was uh, you know it was an, um, a kind of political comment or an analogy mm. about the way that we um, give information out about ourselves so freely in order to be part of a social situation or in order to you know partake in something that we see other people um, partaking in without really questioning it so it was uh, really fun and I guess amidst amidst that um, Kate was the um, program manager at Underbelly Arts that year and uh, we had our um, debrief meeting I guess a couple uh, a week <laughs> later and that turned, turned into, into a, a first date, a first date. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> And arts world romance. Yeah, I just uh, yeah, we we kind of drank a lot of beer and we're riding our bikes home and um, went to say goodbye. Uh, we're on Abercrombie Street and um, got off our bikes to say goodbye and and went in for a kiss and our helmets kind of got in the way, so it was a bit <laughs> awkward. But um, from then on, it's been pretty smooth sailing. <laughs> After initial first hiccup. Well, I mean, we've come to the top of the hour. It's time for your last track, and it is by Spoonty. So Spoonty's a local guy, isn't he? Yep, James Michaels. Um, he's a local Sydney guy. I'm a big fan. He's played at a couple of Electro Fringe events, um, and, uh, yeah, I just love him. Love his music. Awesome. And if you want to be part of Electro Fringe this year, if you're into kind of digital art or internet-based art or any... I think light-based art as well. Sure, electronic art. Electronic art yeah. in general. And, you know, uh, Roslyn here has a call out going. So how do people get in touch? Yeah, so um, head to electrofringe.net slash apply. That has all the information there. Um, and um, whether you're, um, you know, making sculptures or installations or performance or sound, um, we want to hear from you. Awesome. All right, here we go. we got more goths. 
Awesome. Thanks, Rosalind. Thank you. <laughs>